a new House bill passes, which offers nationwide protection for abortion, basically up until the moment of birth. And it is an effort to basically codify Roe versus Wade. The new New York governor sends a weird message out to her, quote, apostles, and a subway woman takes the cleanup efforts into her own hands. I'm Matt Odegaard. Welcome to Church Public. Again, welcome back to Church Public. Thank you so much for being part of this. This is a labor of love and an entirely uh, listener-funded broadcast, so I certainly appreciate all the help that you give to this. There are just a lot of issues that are going on in the world, and I want to help you understand them, and I want to help you understand them from a biblical perspective so that, as believers, we can enter into this world and not be of this world, and there is a lot of weird information out there. I was talking to a pastor just yesterday that many people think they know what's in the Bible, but never really open the Bible and read about it. So you don't even have to take my word for it. In fact, I hope that you go after this, listening to this whole thing, of course, and you read your own Bible because it's really important that you know what God says about these things. I'll quote a couple of verses and you can go through those later, but there's a lot of great word from the Lord, from very God himself in the Bible that you need to get into, and I want you to do that. I hope this inspires you to get into the Word yourself and figure these things out. But I'm trying to help you. I've, I've been through a lot of uh, information, a lot of theology and Bible and philosophy, and I just want to help you make sense of what is going on in this crazy, crazy world. And a lot of those issues have to do with issues that you are going to run into more and more as we go through this life. So I want to help you with that. If you have other questions, you can send them to me. You can find my contact page at churchpublic.com. You can also listen to a bunch of different episodes there on a bunch of different topics. I encourage that. And of course, you can subscribe on all of the podcast platforms or you can check out the social media feed where there's some additional content. And I certainly appreciate all of your help sharing, liking, subscribing. That just helps get this platform out, not about me, but so that God's word can advance because that's really what this is all about. It's about helping believers and anyone who is interested in more than just this world has to offer find their hope in Jesus because I believe more and more that our hope can only be found in Jesus. When we try to build our civilizations, our societies, our laws, everything on some foundation other than God, it is doomed and destined to fail. That's just the reality of it. And yet more and more, that's just what we keep trying to do. So a couple issues going on today. And a lot of what we're talking about today centers on New York. There's no particular reason for that, but a lot of different and weird things are happening in New York. But before we get to New York, I just want to talk about Washington, D.C., and that is this new House bill. We do talk about abortion and we talk about life on this channel a lot, and that is because it matters. It matters because the the future of humanity matters and humans matter because there are a couple things that are eternal in this world. One, we just talked about God's word. God's word is eternal because it is literally the word of God. And people, the soul of a human is an eternal thing. You may or may not believe that, but the reality is it is true. And I want those souls, uh, just like I believe God wants those souls, to end up in his presence for all of eternity. There is a large contingent of people apparently in the world that just wants to kill these souls before they are born. And as believers, regardless of whether you're male or female, and I hear this pushback a lot, 
It doesn't matter. We need to stand up and fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. And there are no other humans on the planet uh, that have less power than those that are in the womb. And we need to we need to pray for them and we need to advocate for them where we can. So this bill is important to watch. This bill, it's a House bill, passed 218 to 211 right along party lines. Um, and it is called the Women's Health Protection Act, which oddly enough has nothing to do with any of that. It doesn't protect anyone. It just kills babies and more and more babies. The This particular act again, removes nationally many of the restrictions at the state level for abortion. And it allows, again, with almost no restrictions, abortion up until the moment of birth. Now, uh, Democrats think that this bill is going to guarantee the right of abortion. They really are trying to put into federal law this decision of Roe v. Wade. We've talked about this court decision at other instances. I'm not going to go into the details here and there. The reality is, regardless of partisan politics, many people, uh, many legal scholars over the course of almost now 50 years have said this is a terrible legal decision because it is not actually constitutional. However, the Democrats believe it is constitutional, both a constitutional right to have an abortion and a constitutional right that this particular Roe v. Wade decision finds in this right to privacy, neither in the Constitution. You can go read the Constitution for yourself. Tell me if you find them in there. Spoiler alert, they're not in there. You're not going to find it. This is, of course, also this House bill in direct response to this Texas law that, again, we've talked about before. It says that if a fetal heartbeat is detected, which is around six weeks, that you cannot do an abortion. And... This does. There's basically no uh, no exception for this, and that's great because it protects these babies again that need protecting. Um, there is a representative. I'm trying to decide if I want to read this. I'll go ahead and read it. Representative Jayapal, Democrat from Washington, says that she personally had an abortion and said that she wants to uh, help people who need this kind of health care. She says, quote, one in four women across America have had an abortion. I am one of them. Terminating my pregnancy was not an easy choice for me, but it was my choice. It's time to preserve that for all people. Now, I do want to pause on this for just a moment because this language I think is important and this language illustrates what's really going on here. And I'm not going to talk too long about abortion. I've done that uh, on the, the evils of it, the euphemisms in it, like women's reproductive choice and freedom and healthcare and rights and all these kinds of things. And you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want. I do want to point to a, a, a phrase in this quote that really gives the game away. And I think it does. And I don't even think this particular um, representative even realizes it does. This person is arguing that, this woman is arguing that because she's had an abortion, that re- that right and choice is should be allowed for others. But the thing to not gloss over is, she says, quote, this was not an easy choice for me. Why? Why is this not an easy choice? If, as I am led to believe, based on your argument, that this is just a clump of cells, that it's just healthcare, that it's just a right, that it's just a choice, why is this difficult? In your own words, you say this should be a choice for all people and it should be fine. Also, for all people is ridiculous because, of course, it's only for women, but side issue, and we'll talk about that at another time again. Why is this a difficult choice? This shouldn't be a difficult choice. If it's just passing a tapeworm, as many have argued, uh, if you haven't heard, that is actually an argument that, that having an abortion is just like passing a parasite, a tapeworm in your body. Um, so, of course, like, what does that matter? 
which again is an abhorrent reduction of a human soul but in their own argument here in this particular representative's own argument it was a difficult choice it was not an easy choice those are their words and many many other people i told you about an actress the other day who just came out and said they had an abortion in their teens and it helped them get the jobs and the career that they have now and without the abortion they wouldn't be able to have that job but it is still a choice that deeply disturbs them they they feel it in their heart why if this is just a personal choice if it's just reproductive freedom if it's just healthcare, why is this like i had a i had a little piece of skin cancer removed from my arm about a year ago that was not a difficult choice for me. I didn't go in and say, oh, I don't know if you should cut this off. I'm going to like think about it probably for the rest of my life, like if it was the right choice. Uh, no, it took me all of no seconds to go, yeah, please dig into my arm and cut this piece of my arm out because I don't want to die from some weird cancer. But they would have you believe that is the equivalent of healthcare. That's uh, of of killing babies. That's why this is a very important point, and it seems like a side point, and it is not. This is the main point. The main point is it's a life, and this person knows in their heart, in the quietness of those moments that we all have when we lay down at night and look up at the ceiling and go, "How am I doing in my life?" And we all do that. And in this person's, they admit it here. It was not an easy choice, and this is years ago. Why? Why is it not an easy choice? Because they know this is a baby, it's a human soul, it's a life, and they know that by terminating this life, by killing this life, by this euphemistic healthcare, that this really is an issue that that they're trying to hide. Um, now, the good news in this, I'll just move on and say the good news in this particular uh, House bill is there's basically no way that it can pass the Senate. So it really is a political, a, a political point. And I, and I think that's important to note that, you know, they talk about don't bring politics and blah, blah, blah into this. No, it's clearly political because they know they don't have the numbers to do it. And again, this gets into political numbers and it really, you know, it, it, this is a fine point, but there is basically no way it can pass. They need a majority vote to pass it. And that's getting more than than 50, getting the 50. Um, but but even to vote on the bill, they need actually 60 percent. And that's all but impossible based on per current party lines in the Senate. Um, what I do want to play for you is I, I think this is an important clip as well. So this is Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi who is talking about her own views on this. And this is a recent clip that she talks about this. So I want to play this for you. And then I want to highlight a couple of things that she says in it, because I think, again, this gives away the game. And that's the whole deal. This is a game about let's euphemize. Let's just make the quote unquote abortion, something like healthcare and rights. And it doesn't mean anything. And you're just, you're just removing a parasite from your body. It's just a clump of cells. It's just a tapeworm, like no big deal. You won't feel it. It won't matter. It won't make any difference to you 20 years from now. And again, I am not making light of this. I hope you hear me. I hope you understand. If you have been affected by this, if you have had an abortion, I am heartbroken for you personally. It, it enrages me that they take this so unseriously. They take you so unseriously. They take your baby so unseriously. They don't care about you. They don't care about your baby. They want to kill more babies. This is the bottom line. And that's enraging to me. It just, it just honestly is. And, and there's no way around that. So here in my heart, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting a little more impassioned about this. I care about you. I care about your baby. I don't care if I've met you or not. It doesn't matter to me. You are a soul and you matter to God. So you matter to me. That's Jesus commandment. Love God, love others, period. 
A baby is a soul, therefore it matters to God and it matters to me. That is the bottom line of all this. You can put whatever euphemism you want on it and that doesn't change anything for me. In fact, this six-week Texas ban doesn't go far enough as far as I'm concerned because babies are souls and killing them indiscriminately is not Christian. It's not biblical. It's not even humane. And the fact that people don't know that or pretend otherwise is honestly infuriating. But I want you to hear this from the House, uh, the House Speaker, because there's an interesting, there's an interesting again phrase that she's trying to argue here. So let's let's take a listen. I come from a pro-life family, not active in that regard, uh, different in their view of a woman's right to choose than I am. In my right to choose. I had five children in six years in one week. And I keep saying to people who say things like that, when you have five children in six days, six years in one day, we can talk about what businesses of any of us to tell anyone else to do. For us, it was a complete and total blessing, which we enjoy every day of our lives. But it's none of our business how other people choose the size and timing of their families. My, um, the, my, the Archbishop of the city of uh, that area of San Francisco, and I have a disagreement about who should decide this. I believe that uh, God has given us a free will to honor our responsibility. Okay, a couple of things going on there that I that I just want to point out. And uh, again, it's just, I think this is so important, but it's so telling when you hear people talk like this and, and, and we just have to point this out and we have to, we have to get into this. So I'm going to highlight four things that she said in here that we need to, we need to point to. First thing is I come from a pro-life family, she says, and she, and then she like, she realizes it's like, it's funny to watch it happen. It's not funny. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's also a little ironically funny. I come from a pro-life family. I mean, I'm not pro-life and, and I mean, I mean, we're not, but but we are, right? She she has to like she realizes she's she's she has the language to deal with this, but then says it and realizes like, oh, I'm not supposed to say that because I'm because that's not what the party's saying I'm supposed to say. Anyway, I think that's a side point, but it's really funny. And then she gets into this whole argument. You you may have heard her say this before. She uses this argument all the time. Five children in six years. It is funny at one point she says, Five children in six days, medical miracle. At any rate, side point. So five children, six years. And she says, it's been a blessing. I think she uses the term. It's been a blessing for me, but I can't choose for other people. So let's just pause on that for a moment. What is she actually saying there? Like, listen to this. And this is something that I've highlighted in a lot of different areas. We looked at the Met Gala. We looked at uh, Newsom's dinner or at the French Laundry. This is the point, And this is what they think of you. That's why I'm highlighting this. It's not about me. It's not even about abortion. It's about she thinks she's better than you. Did you hear that? Like, listen to the words she's saying here. I had five children in six years. They're a wonderful blessing to me. I would never have an abortion. I'm a pro-life family. I mean, not really, but but I am. But you, poor person, sad person, person who I don't care about, person who lives in the middle of the country somewhere in the inner city, you're like, I don't care about you. I mean, you should definitely have an abortion because you you're not worthy, but... I'm pretty amazing, so obviously I'm not going to do this. I have a, the blessing of all these children. It's wonderful. But you, yeah, you should definitely go and get an abortion because, I mean, we don't want your babies around here. Like, do you hear the language she's saying? This is 
100% what she's saying. You can rewind the tape. If you don't believe me, go and listen to it again. I provided her words for you so that you can go and hear what she's saying. This is what she's saying. Like, and the fact that this sways anybody is just mind boggling to me. Like, how can people listen to this and go like, oh yeah, that's a good argument. Yeah, you, you had babies. Therefore, you can tell people that they shouldn't have babies. That totally makes sense. What? In what world does that make sense? The argument should be, you had five babies, they're a beautiful blessing to the world, therefore, anyone who's listening to this, please don't kill your baby. That argument makes complete logical and linear sense. I have wonderful babies, they're a great blessing to me, you should have babies, they should be a blessing to you. That argument completely makes sense. The whole, I have babies, but you shouldn't have babies, is like, taking a bite of a food and going, oh, this is disgusting. You should try it. Like, don't, don't do, don't do this. Like, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. People, it drives me crazy. Now, uh, one final thing on this, the fourth point is the archbishop's disagreement. I, I just, it's, I don't know what to say. Ironic. It's not even ironic. It's just sad. I guess it's just sad to me that she says, well, and I'm not a Catholic, so I have no skin in the game as far as that's concerned. But as, as far as like from a biblical perspective, and, and I can appreciate a lot of the Catholic doctrine in that, my archbishop and I have a disagreement about what it means for abortion to be, you know, legal or, or church ordained or whatever. Um, what a crazy flippant statement. I mean, like, <laughs> okay, I don't really, this is what we talked about earlier. I don't really read the Bible. I don't really know what's in it, but, but I believe you should be able to kill your baby. So that's gotta be in there somewhere, right? We'll just find it in there. And that's, that's in there. It's, I mean, it's the same argument actually as the Roe v. Wade argument. I mean, I believe you should have this choice, so it's in the Constitution, obviously. I mean, it's not actually in there, but but it should be. I mean, you know, 200 years ago, they should have, when they were, like, reading the Bible and other things, talking about these philosophers, like, they should have put that in the Constitution. Obviously, it should have been in there. It just, you know, they forgot to put it in there. Like, whatever. Anyway, I, it's just, it, it's it's maddening to me that that this kind of person would sit on high and claim to judge you and claim to rule over you and claim that they're better than you and say like, well, the archbishop of the Catholic Church in the area that she lives and is supposed to go to Mass um, agrees with both the Catholic Church and the Bible, but I know better than they do. I mean, psh, what do they know? 2,000 years of church history? I mean... She probably has been alive for 150 years. But beyond that, I mean, I'm not going to claim to know more than the Catholic Church. Again, I don't agree with everything that the Catholic Church teaches, but it's not it's it's not in terms of biblical. It's in terms of presentation of different doc, doctrine and, and dogma, and I'm not going to get into that right now. So uh, I, I just think that's a thing. And I, I just want to do a couple of minutes on New York if you still have time and energy and you want to keep going, we're going to talk about New York a little bit. I think New York is just such a weird and interesting place right now. Um, and just like California, many people are leaving there. But to those that are still there, I apologize and, and feel bad for you. So the new New York governor, Kathy, uh, I apologize. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Hochul. I'll just say that. Um, was apparently at a Sunday Mass, so we're, we're back to, to Catholic Church, we're back to Sunday Mass, in the Bronx, and she said that Christians who are not vaccinated against COVID are, quote, not listening to God, and she said that God definitely wants you vaccinated. She said, quote, I know you are vaccinated, you are the smart ones, talking to the people in the room, but you know, those people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants, 
uh, you know, this is who they are. She says, quote, I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live, end quote. Um, we, I, I've talked about this at length in some other episodes. You can go and listen to those. It, it is not... This is the argument that is going to be thrown out again and again and again by politicians and celebrities, some pastors, unfortunately, but it is not the loving thing to do to follow a government mandate writ large. You need to evaluate your conscience. You need to figure out your personal health status and decide what you want to do. And also to bar people from churches for non-vaccinated status is strictly 100% anti-biblical because we are supposed to go to the least of these. We are supposed to minister to them. The church is Jesus Christ and him alone, and he's the only one that is allowed to say whether or not you get to go into church. It's not me. It's not a pastor. It's not the government for certain. So it's just, it's it's interesting, sad to me, I, terrifying perhaps to live under, uh, fortunately I don't live in this place and wouldn't, but this particular leader says that you're going to be my apostles. I just think, again, a very clear example, this particular leader, another example of them saying, hey, I am obviously better than you. I know better than you. I may even be your God. So you be my apostles and you go spread the good news because I have a word on this. And this is, again, very cultish behavior. It's cultish in the way that a leader says, hey, I mean, there's not a verse included in this necessarily, but you Jesus would say this so you should go and do this um that it, we can't do that I, again I'm, I'm going to come back to Bible verses as often as I can we talked about Jesus in the temple you can go and listen to Jesus in the temple episode for more on on like whether this kind of thing should be compelled again you do whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do in this instance because your particular medical choices have to be your particular medical choices for reasons of conscience and for reasons of your own your own connection with your doctor to see what is best for you. I have opinions, which probably are pretty obvious, but you have to decide that. And I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I'm also going to try my best not to judge you for whatever decision you make because your decision is your decision. But for a government, for a church, for a leader to mandate that you have to do this or to, again, in this instance, it seems like to me they're taking the place of God and saying, you're going to be my apostles. Maybe that language just got me hot. But I, I, like, just saying that kind of thing is is just... A step too far as far as I'm concerned. And it is to be said, going back to previous conversation, this particular governor is also a champion of abortion. Champion of abortion. And so we're in the place where this is all about safety. It's all about saving lives. Unless, of course, they're baby lives, in which case we don't care about them and you should kill them all. Like, that's the message that's happening here. And again, if they didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. But that is the true hypocrisy and that that's why you see like this idea that uh, i know conservatives christians are always talk are, are always um, accused of hypocrisy that they can't do everything that they say they want to do that's different do you hear that if i say i want to not sin and i want to do all the right things but i do a wrong thing here and there that's not hypocrisy that's me just not living up to the standard that god has set which god himself said no one can live up to the standard that he has set which is why we need jesus in the first place okay that's the gospel when a person who says, 
I'm going to have all my babies, but you should kill your babies. That's hypocrisy because it's saying, I'm telling you to do something and there is no way on this earth that I'm going to do that thing because it doesn't apply to me. It only applies to you. That's hypocrisy. And that's the thing we do need to call out because that's just ridiculous. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll say a couple more New York things. Like, the, meanwhile, in New York, there's a shortage of healthcare workers because of this whole mandate, this whole mandate thing. Because uh, the previous governor, actually, and now the current governor, have said that all healthcare workers need to get vaccinated or they cannot have a job. There is no religious exemption, and that is a big point, and that's something you have to pay attention to. At least one hospital had to stop delivering babies. That's crazy. What do you say? Now we're not going to deliver. It's kind of the opposite side of what we talked about before. But the hospital's like, we don't have enough people, so we can't deliver babies. So go somewhere else. Go have the baby in your car, in your house. I don't know. What do you say? Go to another hospital, I guess. There has been at least one urgent care facility that has had to close. There was an ER that was impacted in terms of hours. Like this is, And this is no small thing. I looked up the number. It affects approximately 130,000 workers. This is not like 10 people who are saying no. Hundreds of thousands of people are saying, I don't want to do this based on medical reasons, based on religious reasons. Again, go back and listen to a couple of episodes that I had on this if you want my thoughts on it. But no one should be compelled to do medical procedures, especially not in all circumstances, but especially in terms of virus, not according to me, according to the CDC that has a 99 point something survival rate for literally everyone. No one should be compelled to do this. It's not like smallpox. It's not like Ebola. It's not like even like the 1918 flu. It's not like SARS. It's not like any of these other viruses or issues that have a way, way, way higher death rate. Again, not according to me, according to the quote scientists. Also, in New York, schools are back in session, but of course, there are no sports, no clubs, uh, and of course, no talking to during lunch. According to a New York Post, a New York State Education Department health guide for 21-22 school year worries a lot about kids, quote, outrageous breathing. People, I'm starting to lose my mind here. In New York, kids are, and, and California and a, and a bunch of other places in America now, Kids are just viewed as germ factories. They're just viewed as vectors of transmission to kill other humans, and that's all we view them as. And again, I'm trying to get to the point. The center point of all of this is human souls are infinitely valuable, and if we just view them as vectors of death, we are removing their inherent God-given value, and we cannot do that. So I'm going on to say this is, this is the, uh, the, the um, New York Education Department. Quote, during increased exhalation that occurs during physical activity, some sports can put players, coaches, trainers, and others at extreme risk. Uh, uh, I'm going to skip through and end at similar risks might exist for other extracurricular activities, such as band, choir, theater, and school clubs that meet indoors, end quote. So again, I, I guess we've seen the numbers. I, I just checked the numbers the other day. I don't have the number specifically for today, but the total number of children killed by covid According to the CDC, not according to me, according to the CDC in the last year and a half is somewhere in the low 400s. And according to Johns Hopkins, there is not a case. There is not one case that did not have extreme comorbidities within that group. Therefore, to do this to children is inhumane and cruel. It just is. You can think whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. But I'm just telling you, look into this for yourself. Figure this out. And what are we going to do? It just, it makes me sad for these children that are growing up thinking that they are the source of death 
for other people. Can you imagine the, the mental trauma that that's going to place on these little minds? Can you imagine the crazy sociological experiment that we are doing on them for not their sake? Because look at the numbers. They're not at any risk necessarily statistically of dying. It's for the adults. It's for the teachers. It's for the other people who apparently feel so unsafe around these little humans that one, they want to kill them in utero. And two, they don't want them to have any freedom to go anywhere or do anything or breathe or talk. There was one that said, in one of these schools, they're not allowed to talk during lunch. They have to sit in rows facing away from one another and they are not allowed to talk to each other. Can you imagine the mental and sociological effects that's going to have on them? Like this is terrible, terrible, terrible. There, there, there's no other way to put it. I wanna give one more story because I just, uh, I've gone long anyway, so I'm just gonna keep going. Also in New York, because we, we started and, and went around the corner in New York, um, because I think this is a good, there, there's one more story that I want to show, and I think it's a good story, and I just want to show this to you. I'm going to start playing it, so if you can't see, I'm going to, um, I'm going to play it. I'm going to turn on the volume a little bit, because the volume doesn't really matter. You can't really hear or understand what's happening anyway, so I'm just going to, I'm going to play this. I'm going to, I'm going to turn down the volume a little bit and just kind of talk about it. So this is a lady on the subway, and she is cruising around the subway, and she is upset visually by what's going on by the ads that are on the subway. And I can tell you and be honest that I've never been on a New York subway. And honestly, I don't really have any need to get on a New York subway. But this lady is just ripping some things down. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to get that one back again. Sorry, it went by faster than I thought. Just a moment here. We'll just do that one again. So, um, nope, I've, uh, I've broken the machine. So I apologize. At any rate, I'll just talk about it here again. Um, Oh, there we go. And so she's just ripping some things down and I'll, I'll put up in a moment uh, some pictures, some of the ones that I can post. At any rate, this lady is tearing down some posters of this uh, apparently dating site called OKCupid. And uh, this is a site that is encouraging people to do just really terrible things. I'll, I'll show you a couple of things and I'll, and I'll read them here. One of them says, it's okay to have strong convictions and abandon them for the night. Uh, of course, that is ridiculous. And um, it it's just, it goes along with this whole thing where, yeah, it's okay if you you know, don't believe anything and have no foundation or no morals or anything like that. Yeah, okay, that's totally fine. I'll show you one more. Um, this is, it's okay to date someone, I'm sorry, it's okay to choose to only date someone who's pro-choice. Um, of course, that's pretty exciting. It's okay to only choose to date someone who's pro-choice. Uh, again, lovely. I mean, that one in, on its own, I mean, it's okay to choose to only date someone who's pro-choice. Is that saying, like... I'm just going to have unprotected sex with whomever I want. And if we need to have an abortion as birth control, it's okay. Like, I, I don't know what else that could be saying. It seems to be what that is saying. It's, it's just, we, it, we're in such a crazy, weird situation. Uh, I'm deciding whether to show you this one or not. You know, I'm not even going to show you this next one. There, there were a bunch. I, I scrolled through a bunch and I, I don't even want to show you. I don't even want to talk about what some of these, because they're so gross and disgusting. And that gets to why this lady is, personally ripping them down um and i'm gonna say i applaud it i applaud her doing that um because somebody needs to do it somebody needs to say you know our kids deserve more than this 
any age shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be looking at this, shouldn't be choosing. Again, I'll, I'll just I'll just describe very vaguely and generally like there are pansexual things, there are m- multiple partner things, there's non-monogamous um, ads that are that are posted here with weird and rather gross pictures. And this lady's like, no, I, I don't, I, I don't want to see this. I think other people should see this. And plus, it's also very left leaning, obviously, right? It's, it's if you're a conservative, don't date. You know, we don't, we don't want you. And if you're pro life, don't date. We don't want you. And I, it, it, you know, it's obviously leaning in certain directions. So politically, there's some things there. But just, just from a standards perspective, like we have to begin to go back to standards. And there's this argument that is a weird libertarian argument. It's not a weird libertarian argument. It's just basically a solid libertarian argument. That is, you do whatever you want and it doesn't affect anybody else as long as you're not hurting anybody. But the reality is, biblically, right? That's the libertarian argument. And it has it has seeped into this conservative idea. Now we think that a conservative idea is, you do you as long as it doesn't affect me. That's not a conservative argument. And it's definitely not a biblical argument. The biblical argument is you follow God, not me, not anybody else. You follow God. There are plenty of, again, we are not under the law. Jesus is very clear about that. However, Jesus fulfills the law. And sometimes we need to learn the law so that we can do the right thing. Because on our own, as Romans tells us, we don't know the law and we cannot follow the law. Romans 3. So... We have to figure out the law. And when we're constantly bombarded by stuff like this, by TikTok, oh my goodness, I talked about that the other day. Please get off of TikTok. Please get your kids off of TikTok. Just don't go there. It's not worth it. I just, I mean, I have teacher friends in in the city here. And apparently the latest craze was to go into the school bathrooms and take toilet seats and mirrors. First of all, that's gross. I'm not just giving. I'm going to stop there. That's gross. Like, why would you do that? Why would you listen to TikTok to tell you to do that? But it's it's just not good. It's not good for us. It's not for, good for our kids. And I want to come back to our kids. I always want to come back to our kids. That's the important thing here is our kids. We must start helping our kids understand what it is to follow Jesus, what it is to live in this life. And I want to end with this book um, that I haven't started reading because I I just found out about it really this morning. Um, let me get the name of it for you. I don't want to mess it up here. Uh, this is called Handing Down the Faith by Christian Smith and Amy Adamczyk. Um, I haven't read it. I've only read a review of it, and I, I read an article about it earlier today, but it just, I think, is exactly what I've been trying to say, and it gives some, apparently, science to back it. Um, this particular book says that families are the main place where faith is passed down, period. They have a whole bunch of studies. I'm not going to go into the studies. I'm going to read more about this. I may do a full episode on it as I get more information. But I think it's important to note, and, I, and it's not surprising to me at all. We are in the most secular society in recent history, and it shows this secularist, scientist, scientific, sexual worship we have going on is going to lead to disaster, and it is not biblical, and God does not like it. First Peter 1.16, God is holy, and we are to be holy. Now, again, I know I can't judge a non-believer on their actions. I get that. But we believers are allowing these actions, not only in our communities, but in our families. And this is not holy, and we are called by God. Again, 
This is the Bible. This is God, not me. We're called to be holy. We're called to follow God. And we don't have to tolerate this bad behavior. We just don't. There Again, there's this weird thing where it's like, you should just be tolerant and accept whatever anybody does and whatever anybody says, and that's the best thing to do. And that's biblical or kind or loving or whatever, as some of these governors say. It's not. Loving is not accepting all of these behaviors. It's accepting a person and then it's showing them, hey, there's a better way. And the better way is not something I invented. It's not something the governor invented. It's not something the president or a king or these philosophers invented. It's something God has passed down and said you should do. This is what we have to get back to, not only in our communities, but in our family. And that's the thing that I just want to keep coming back to. And that's why this book is very interesting. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look more into it. But this book, Handing Down the Faith, apparently gives a bunch of scientific credence as they did a bunch of studies that says the family is the number one place where faith comes from. It's not schools. It's not teachers. It's not churches. And it's not even pastors or Sunday school leaders. And if you're hearing that, like, I I want you to hear this and I want you to internalize this. Parents are the key. And of course, we know this if we read the Bible. We know that parents from the beginning We're in charge of leading their children, being fruitful, multiplied, leading their children to God. We know that Proverbs tells us this. Jesus tells us this. Basically, all throughout Scripture, we are instructed to train our children in the ways of the Lord. Yet, too often as parents, we have abdicated this responsibility. We've given it to schools. We've even given it to churches and pastors and Sunday school teachers. And that's not a condemnation, and it's not even a condemnation of the church or you. The church is doing the best that it can, but it is not the primary source of faith and value building in this world. The parents are. The mother and the father are. And for mothers and fathers, this is not a condemnation of you as well. It's an exhortation. It is an encouragement that now is the time. Fathers, mothers, start. Teach your children how to follow Jesus. Read the Bible to them. Read the Bible in front of them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Pray in front of them. Uh, Philippians 4, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? In every situation, turn to God, pray to God, and God will guard your hearts and minds. This is what we need more than any other time, and that is what I encourage you to more than anything. If you've made it this far, congratulations. We are just about at the end of this particular episode, but we are not at the end of your journey. And that's what Paul continues to say. You are on and in a race and you need to continue to run the race. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't get tired. Put your faith in God. Ask for strength from God. He will give it to you as you need. And I just really, really pray that in this time, more than More than recent history, I can say, we really, really need to focus in on who God is, focus in on our relationship with him personally, and if you are a mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, lead into your families. Now is the time. Don't sit on the couch. Don't wait. Lead into your family and teach them what it means to follow Jesus because they are not going to get it any place else. And this is the only thing. Following Jesus is the only thing that is going to save souls and then ultimately, you know, save people from from hell and separation from God. And I don't want that for them. And God doesn't want that for them. And I just, I pray that through this time, though it's getting crazier, we can lean into the hope that we have in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God bless you. And as always, keep the faith.
If you like this episode, go ahead and like and subscribe and uh, look to churchpublic.com, all of the podcast places. I really appreciate your help and support in this. Share it and tell your friends because we really need to begin to turn this culture around and we can only do that through one another and through Jesus Christ. God bless.